This is the podcast where we take our guests through the quirks of their retail habits from the best ever bargains to the times they've been completely ripped off. Welcome to False Economy. Powered by Hot UK Deals, the UK's number one app for deals, discounts and freebies. And it's, uh, it's Paul Watson. Hi, Paul. Here he is. He is the Torval to my Dean, the Bill to my Ben, the... I don't know. We, we are running out of these classic pairings. We're getting a bit niche now. Who does Hig- Iggle Piggle hang around with? Oh, well, I know that. Iggle Piggle uh, hangs around with Upsy Daisy. Uh, to a lesser extent, Macapaca. They're not socially that friendly, but they're they're colleagues. colleagues. Um, you can tell how old my children are, can't you? <laughs> Who would I be, Paul? Oh, on in the night yeah. garden. Oh God, this you put me on the spot. I I think. Oh God, there's not an easy answer here. I'd have to say you're upsy daisy because I think anything else would be an insult. Um, and I'm Macapaca. I'm very much Macapaca. I get mistaken for Macapaca. What in the street? Yeah, just in uh, it's more his manner though. I'm just I'm quite like him. He lives in a cave, and his main thing's just having like rocks that he washes sometimes. <laughs> I feel like I could see myself. That that's a lot of me. You relate there. to that washing rocks in a cave? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I thought in the night garden was about, but it, it wasn't that. So uh, I think we've covered the sparkling gold banter now, Paul, or do you want to continue? This has been, have you noticed, you might notice and people will know, this is the most comfortable I've been during this section. <laughs> so make of that what you will. <laughs> we've found references, I understand. I'm trying to catch you out now. <laughs> With secretly criminal weird twists on it. But shall we meet our guest, Paul? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Yes, I'm very much ready. Our guest today is a brilliant comedian and podcaster that's become a regular fixture on QI because she's very intelligent. And we all know that's the start of the journey to becoming a national treasure. So please welcome to the podcast, it's future national treasure, Callie Beaton. How are you? Oh, what an intro. I, don't, I think that means I'm quite old, doesn't it? If I'm about to be a national treasure. Don't you don't say that about no, a 22 year old. Future. Do you? future. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Excellent. I'm going to give myself 20 years before that hits me, but I th- I, I'm going to take it in the spirit in which it was intended. And it's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Um, so, Callie, not that you're not an avid follower of the Foss Economy podcast, but just in case, we're going to quickly update on how the show works. We have carefully and scientifically crafted some questions that are designed to rummage into the shopping basket of your soul. And we're going to start as we always start with Paul. We're going to start with what's the best deal you've ever got? I'm going to start with one. I'm going to start with one that might get me a lot of haters, which I think is always the way to start, right? <laughs> Just split. The, the reason it's going to get me a lot of haters is because it's got the word house in it. And I appreciate Ooh. I'm 54 and people who are not 54 will not be probably talking about having houses on their, in their shopping basket. But it's um, the reason it's the best deal I've ever found, hear me out, is that I lived in a little, I live in Kentish Town and I lived in a little tiny place uh, down at the sort of Camden end of Kentish Town. And when I had my second child, it was just too small and I was, and the toilet was outside. You literally had to go out of the house to get to the toilet. So we were looking for another place to live, couldn't afford a house in this area. And this is back in the year 2000, couldn't afford a house in this area. And we're just thinking we're going to have to move away out of London. And then someone knocked on the door of the of the place we were selling. It had a for sale sign in the garden. And she said, one of my children was born in this house. 
I see you're selling it. Can I come and have a look at it again? She looked at it and said, I really want to buy it. What are you asking for? Yep, I'll pay the asking price. I said, well, we've got nowhere to move. That's the trouble. We don't know. And she said, well, I've got a place at the other end of Kentish Town that's too big for me now. And I'm thinking I need to move out and downsize. So we came and had a look at the place I'm now sitting, which is a decent sized house. And we agreed a differential between what she was going to pay for ours and what we paid for this, which was not a lot of money. And you don't pay stamp duty apart from on the difference in a house swap. So you only pay it on the differential. You don't pay it on the price of the house. So basically, 23 years ago, I moved into this house that 23 years ago, I absolutely couldn't have begun to afford. It was completely ramshackle. It was like moving into a squat. But we got this house. And yeah, so now I absolutely, I mean, now it would be ridiculous to buy a house here. So I, the luckiest and best thing that ever happened to me financially was ripping an old lady off to get a house. That's so, incredible. Though. That's, that's a good deal. It's a good deal, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like estate agents listening are going to be like shuddering. Well, this, this had is, never gone on the market. Amazing. So that's the bit. That, so she never, she'd never put this on the market. She was going to put it on the market. I think she'd had valuations. and um, But it never even went as far as an estate agent agent so literally she she hadn't marketed it before we bought it so yeah it was an incredible it was an incredible bit of luck really and it is still amicable because we live in all in Kentish Town I do see her on Kentish Town High Street she doesn't feel fleeced there's nothing but goodwill (laughs) she's very happy in her tiny shit house and we're happy and we're happy here (laughs) so everyone's a winner that's incredible I mean I did not know you could just swap houses with someone like that this is uh it's a game changer. It's a life hack, don't oh, you think? You can't I think do people that. this is worth people knowing. Because if you wanted to move to another area and you could manage to swap and then you save all that stamp duty money. Which is so much money. It's so much money. It makes yeah. it prohibitive to I mean, I do feel like a real wanker talking about this because as the parent of of Gen Z, two Gen Zers, I do know that this is not this is not a conversation that people 30 years younger than me are going to be having. It won't be like, oh, I swapped one house for another. So I'm checking my privilege, but it is a deal that I can't help but mention for a best no. deal. And if we are circling back, you had a toilet that was outside. I mean, I say outside, it wasn't like a privy. <laughs> it was a sort of proper toilet. out. It wasn't like a bucket, but you did still have to go outside. And by the time my little one was two and I was heavily pregnant with my second one, going up and down the stairs and carrying like two-year-olds in and out of the garden and being pregnant. It was, it did feel a bit like I was in a period drama. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's a really good deal. I don't think that is going to demonise you to people at all because I think it's not your fault that housing is too expensive. I do always feel like apologising if any, particularly if comedians come over here to write with me or whatever and I'm always like, I can't afford to live here. It's just that I'm old. So I feel a bit guilty. I feel property guilty, but not so guilty I haven't broadcast it to the nation. <laughs> it's fine. Right, on to the next one. So we've had your brilliant bargain house story that is aspirational in itself uh something you bought that seemed like a bargain but you wish you'd spent more on so we're on the other end of the spectrum now so this is going to make you think i live in a different world to the one i do because it's a spa weekend but it's not what you think so my daughter lives abroad she lives in spain and we were locked down in different countries at the time she was in amsterdam so we basically had about 18 months when we barely saw each other because the lockdowns didn't coincide so every time we restricted less they restricted more so we had a bit of a rough time 
time of not seeing each other. And I missed her 21st birthday and we had a Christmas when we weren't together and it was quite difficult. So I kept saying, once the world reopens, we'll go and have a lovely spa weekend. So I booked this spa weekend for this year between Christmas and New Year. And I booked it in the Cotswolds and I this big sort of manor house. And it was good value. And I was like, oh, it's really good value. And it was dog friendly. I was able to take my little dog, Jeff, along. Well, a couple of things. First of all, if a spa is dog friendly, don't go because it's filthy and shit and it's got dog shit everywhere. So don't go. <laughs> Just go to one that isn't spa, dog friendly and find someone to look after your dog. So now I would know that a dog friendly spa is a red flag. But the, but it was just the most rundown shit place I've ever been in. It was like literally the room smelled of such damp and was so damp that the um we each took books actual you know paper books to read and by the first morning the pages had curled because the room was so damp turned out you couldn't use the spa unless you'd pre-booked access to the spa so not just you've got to book a treatment you actually weren't allowed (laughs) into the spa wing of the hotel unless you'd said I want to be in it from 12 to 2 but they didn't tell you that when you're booking so we didn't have access to the spa so you just stayed in a a dog-friendly hotel (laughs) Dog friendly hotel with no spa, with with such damp, it was like quite unpleasant and asthmatic inducing. And then it also said it was situated in 150 acres of of grounds, and it was literally like being at Glastonbury after Glastonbury had finished. It was like bins and bits of furniture and old upturned caravans and bits of barbed wire, and it was the weirdest, shittest thing to the point that I almost uh, uh, by the second day we were like should we just cut our losses and then we just couldn't get in anywhere else and it became a bit of an anecdote but it felt so crashingly disappointing after all that because it was like it was two and a half years worth of a spa break all these celebrations in one so did you get your money back what did you do no we didn't bother with it it was just and the food on my daughter got food poisoning on the second night we we ate in their restaurant the second night she got food poisoning and we um no and literally the dog the dog i'm sure this isn't the case with most dog friendly hotels but they had like dog poo bins sorry if people are eating dog poo bins and they were literally like mountains of bags of dog poo on them around and they hadn't been emptied in months and the whole thing was just absolutely yeah it was just horrible so it was that was the most and and I and I think possibly it was quite cheap but it did say it was like four stars possibly if something's really cheap (laughs) and it looks too good to be true it's too good to be true and it also had availability when everything else was booked so it it became a bit of a laugh and the weather was awful it was which I can't blame on the spot but it was generally not (laughs) the mother-daughter experience any of us wished for did the dog like it did the dog like it Well, the dog, tell you, that was the other problem. So I've got a dog, I've got a sausage dog, a furry little wirehead sausage dog who can't do stairs because sausage dogs can't do stairs. And as luck wouldn't have it, they put us at the top of a sort of turret, um, which was the, it was some sort of character room they had, which actually would have been a nice room if it hadn't been so damp. So it meant every time he needed to go in and out for a wee, which was obviously a few times a day, we were, I was up and down like 70 stairs as well. So it was good for my, it was good for my, you know, bum and my legs, but um, it was, it was a shit show, literally. So did you check TripAdvisor afterwards to see if other people had had the experience that you've had? Afterwards, I did. And the verdict was it was appalling and I should have done my research. <laughs> oh, 
God. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Use your brain. <laughs> I'm always in a rush when I book things and I don't do the due diligence. And there you go. I got caught out. You can't tell. I stayed in a spa hotel in Gloucester recently, not to go to the spa. It was just a spa adjacent hotel. And uh, I was quietly watching The Repair Shop, which is the gentlest TV programme you can watch. It is all about oldie-wildie things that typically like it. a genial yeah. old man will come with a doll from the past and say, this was my dad's. And then they really, they fix it really gently. So that is how gentle the programme was. And somebody next door at quarter past ten, I could hear banging on the wall. And initially I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on in there. You know, are they having, they're having a different night to me. And just thought nothing of it. Then like 10 minutes later, banging again. And it it turned out that they were banging the wall because, in their opinion, repair shop at quarter past 10 at a spa hotel, which you'd go for a weekend break or a hen. It's apparently too loud. But rather than address it, they were just passively aggressively banging with what I, from what I could tell, were bigger and bigger items because it was just getting more and more noisy. Maybe so they like, were things that needed repairing. They yeah. were just giving suggestions. <laughs> but the manager came and knocked on the door and said, oh, oh my the God. person next door has an early morning. So can you be more considerate? How early as well, like 10, 15 at night. That's when we're just getting ready to go out normally, isn't it? I know, it's just like, this is a good job. This isn't like a proper, like, weekend away or something where we'd like to speak audibly to each other past 10 o'clock at night. Exactly, have some fun, interaction, God forbid. But there was a Victorian plumbing system, so I just flushed the toilet all night and uh, I thought, let her ring reception. (laughs) And tell them that I'm maliciously flushing the toilet. Let her call. Did you say, talking of things that need repairing, this system is quite noisy. They messed with the wrong person. You know what? I I was done with the repair shop anyway, but it became a vendetta at that point. And now every now and again, I chat TripAdvisor to see if she is TripAdvisored about my Victorian toilet usage. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm I'm waiting. Passive aggressive Victorian toilet usage. Right. Anyway. That could be the name of your uh, autobiography. So moving to social media, who do your social media channels think you are? What kind of ads do you get? Uh, menopause stuff. I get a lot of menopause products and weird product. I mean, all you really need if you're menopausal is people to be nice to you. And I would say some HRT, none of which is available online. Or if it is, you shouldn't buy it. <laughs> exactly. Don't don't go with that. So um, th- there were like, yeah, menopause pajamas there were, and I don't know why you would want specific pajamas. But the thing I the thing that's most um, stupid, uh, and I did actually buy uh, is something called a chillo. And what it is, is that so women who are going through menopause obviously have hot flushes and they are quite extreme. I had about two years where I literally barely slept because of my hot flushes. So they are mad making and, and it is a serious issue for women's mental health and all the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, that's about to be my sort of a problem. That's an oncoming problem for me. And I do wonder occasionally how hot is too hot, you know, and you just, I can't. Yes, you'll need to go around with a group of focus groupers to tell you what's too hot because you won't yeah. be able to work it out on your own. So get ready for that. So it is, and you'll know when you're having a hot flush because it is horrendous. So they are horrible and I can see why anybody might be trying to help women with them. However, this thing is called a chillo. So one of the things you have with a hot flush is at night, often women have them worse and you might several times in the night find yourself absolutely drenched with sweat, like you've got a fever. Um, and this thing, which sounds like a good idea, is a thing you put it in the fridge. It's like a sort of um, waterproof uh 
sort of flat thing. I can't really explain. If you imagine like a laptop that's made of size thing that's made of waterproof stuff and you can put it in a fridge and then you a freezer and you put it in the freezer and then before you go to bed, you slip it into your pillow between the pillowcase and the pillow. And then you basically are always going to be sleeping on a cool pillow. You know, when you first go into bed and the pillow's cool. It gives you that the whole night is the theory. I buy that, see. Okay, well, then have my chillo because it needs a home uh, because <laughs> it's just horrible because it's too cold. You've had it in the freezer, so it's really cold. Or if you put it on the other side of your pillow, it's not cold at all. But it's also just depressing because you're basically lying with your head against a frozen, cold, hard... It's like I can't sleep and I'm going to lie on a cold, hard, barren surface just to remind myself of what's gone on inside. I absolutely hated it and it didn't cool me down. And I can't remember what I paid for it, but too much. So, yeah, men, I get I get really spammed. With, and also um, I get a lot of face creams, tummy tuck sort of, you know, type of stuff. So stuff that's basically saying I don't want to look like I look. So those are the two things that I get really spammed with. Oh, well, that's no fun. But yeah, you've nearly sold me this chillo, but it seems like they failed on the illo part of it. Imagine if the yeah. chillo share price goes up because of this podcast, because <laughs> I've given it so much airtime. People are like, that sounds great. She hates it, but she's wrong. <laughs> you had me until it was like a hard, sad surface. And I was like, no, that's that's not fun at all. Can't you just put a normal pillow in the freezer? Is that I don't thing? know how big your Ooh. freezer is, for starters. <laughs> not in my freezer. No. Well, I mean, yeah, it would have to be a big freezer. But also, wouldn't it just get ruined wouldn't it? I don't I don't think you should be, be doing that Vic. Soggy. I don't no. think you should you'll end up with yeah. like frozen peas in your ears and I don't think you should go that way <laughs> if you want to try it get a chillo but okay. don't yeah, by extension you are basically saying couldn't you just sleep on a bag of yeah, peas exactly. or something? I mean you yeah, could leg of lamb you could frozen, defro- just defrost <laughs> something new every night under your head yeah I'm, fr- I'm frugal I'm like how can we do a chillo without it with it still maintaining its pillow shape I think we're on something here I'm gonna I'm gonna trademark this right so something you splashed out on because it was advertised but you didn't need it we've gone with the chillo already <laughs> yes we've got so this is a thing that I bought during lockdown um and I think we all splashed out on things we didn't need during lockdown and I, you people listening and you may remember this so um it, it was a it's a standing desk without buying a standing desk so they're, they're really quite beautiful like Scandinavian blonde wood and you put this thing on your desk People will be able to Google it who are listening and you'll see what I mean. And you put this thing on your desk and it's got different levels on it where you could put your laptop on one level of it and your keyboard on another. And then you basically stand with this lovely looking Scandi bit of kit that enables you to have a standing desk. And I used to love having, when I had, the last job I had was working for a big sort of Hollywood studio who were well-funded. And I had a really whizzy kind of standing desk that fully went up, down and round about. And I loved it. I loved being at a standing desk. So I thought this will be brilliant. I'll have a standing desk. But it isn't brilliant because it's a thing, a, a sort of a, a tower which has your equipment on it. But where do you put your papers? Where do you put your phone? Everything else is on a different level. So you're standing and your laptop is standing, but everything else is still sitting. And it's just, and I haven't, I was thinking before I did this, it's the reason I thought of it as the thing is it's still in my office because I can't quite bear to get rid of it because it wasn't cheap. 
but I just need to get rid of it now. I occasionally use it. If I am um, doing Zoom comedy, which we rarely do now, I used it as a way of propping up a comedy backdrop and it was just the right way because I could sort of adjust the bit. So it was a good ad- addition to a cheap backdrop. But unless I'm going to do much Zoom comedy, I have found no other use for it. So that was my biggest ripoff. But it looked so beautiful and serene and like it was going to make my working life so productive and pure when I saw it advertised. And there were some lovely person in a sort of a Gwyneth Paltrow looking person just standing looking perfect and I was like I think I can be like that but it's in my shit office with crap all around it I don't look like Gwyneth Paltrow I don't own a cat pashmina and I don't feel serene because of it so there you go it's it's interesting the people that have standing desks are like you said really well-funded big businesses or startups with no money that have spent the money badly on standing yeah. desks there's nothing in between let's have a pool table and some standing <laughs> desks but don't worry about your wages bean bags uh, yeah. i worked at a, a, a startup i won't name that had hammocks that you could sleep in a beer keg and a sauna and when they showed me the sauna when I initially arrived, I thought there's no way this is a real thing. They must use it as a cupboard. It was a cute gimmick. But at four o'clock on a Friday, something was wrong with my computer and I had to get a man out of the sauna. That's it was my excellent. first week. Oh. I didn't know anybody. And I was looking oh, no. at strangers' nipples going, please, can you get dressed and fix my it sounds like that startup had more of a spa weekend going than the spa weekend I went on, to be fair. I should have just gone to them for the weekend. It sounds good. It, yeah. it was a lovely office, but it was the cruelest work environment I've ever been in. The turnover of staff. It's like you could go in the hammock, but you went there to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you're going to a hammock to sleep. I mean, having watched I'm a Celebrity, I think, nah, hammocks aren't for sleeping, are they? They're for lo- I have a hammock here in the garden, obviously. My huge garden. It's not a huge garden. It's tiny. <laughs> in Kentish Town, I don't believe you. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's, it's like Downton Abbey here. But I do like lying in a hammock, but I don't think I would go as far as uh, wanting to work in a hammock. No, it was for people who considered themselves a main character. And you could see they were posturing in there as though cameras were watching. It was, yeah. It was not my favourite job, that. <laughs> no, but good yes, material. Yes, the view was free, but <laughs> it came at a great human cost. It was uh, quite a time. <laughs> I remember working for a TV company that shall remain nameless, but one of the big uh, broadcasters, and they had meeting rooms according named according to their values. You know, everyone has their company values. And the company values were things like, you know, love and passion. And it was like, I don't want to go in a meeting room called the passion room. <laughs> Let's meet in love. <laughs> and they were sort of themed and done out with, and they had animals that were the sort of embodiment of the values that little toy animals on people's desks and it was like, oh God, just, just, just call it. And a yeah. boardroom that was called the boardroom, B O R E D, because that was hilarious. Oh, geez. so shoot me in the head. Oh. <laughs> the sauna is the worst, though. The sauna is that. That is a terrible. That's a big transgress. I did used to do lots of business with them um, in Finland. With a, with them, um, we had a joint venture when I was at ITV with a Finnish production company, and we did stuff um, there. And I remember the first meeting we had over there was in one of some famous guy's cabin. It was like a sort of James Bond cabin. But they all, first of all, they drank a different shot between every course of the meal, which by the end was a lot of shots. And then they all 
took their clothes off and it was all men apart from me and went uh, played naked tennis and then had an ice cold <laughs> dip in the in the whatever water it was around and obviously was the only woman there who also had colleagues from ITV there I was like I'm not sitting with fellow board members <laughs> naked luckily they had a piano so I was like oh I can play the piano and I just intensively played the piano and tried not to look around me um, at, at things that would never be unseen so these were different times guys yeah, different times really this it's... is 20 years ago I don't know if they could do that now with a female board member <laughs> probably not but it they God. stopped a lot later than you would have hoped i imagine what's your standing desk your biggest rip-off though callie or have you been ripped i would off say worse? or the spa day we've had a we've had a couple of contenders for this yeah the rip-off i think the, the worst rip-off in terms of the massive anti-climax was the spa weekend but the standing desk is a is a, a sort of a it's an edifice to stupidity that still sits in my office and needs to now be sold do you know what i found is that what i tend to do if i've got something that's not sort of massive but was a bit of a mistake or i finished using it you know like whatever it may be something i just don't need anymore that's not mega expensive i'll just put it on nextdoor.com as a freebie for people to collect and that's fine i think what am i going to get for it like 20 quid and hopefully it's going to go to somebody who needs it more than i do but the thing i have found is if you put things for free on those forums and people message you and say i'll come and collect it they just can't be asked quite often so and you're like you end up doing so much admin <laughs> for something that people can't be bothered to collect so i actually just now sometimes put like a fiver on it or tenner just because i think well if you you say you're coming and it's a tenner it makes people commit it's really weird the psychology yeah. of it but i'm mm. the admin of trying to just give things away to people who say they need them it's like just bloody come and get it then so tomorrow i'm going to put that i'm going on holiday on sunday tomorrow saturday i'm i know this may not be going out on a friday but when we're recording it i'm going to on saturday get rid of that bloody standing desk so even it. if i have to carry it to someone's house and leave it in their garden yeah just put it outside and someone will take it it's the london way <laughs> It was expensive as well. It was a cut like I think I'm going to say like best part of a couple hundred quid. It was not a cheap bit Oof. of tat. It's a lovely crafted wooden bit of non-tat. I think if you invest in a small lock and lock it to something, it'll yeah. be gone. Oh yeah, that's immediately. true. That's, the that's, psychology. That's the rule, isn't yes. It? <laughs> oh, well done. Solved. Thank you, Paul. Right now, it's time for the quick fire rounds. Paul, do you want to explain how the quick fire round works? Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's. Pretty simple. Uh, we get given an item and we have to guess how much it is. It is that easy. I'm going to be shit at this. You're playing versus Paul. He's doing quite well at the moment. He's You've won a fair few rounds recently. so uh... I've got better, which is maybe because if you do it 30 times, you start to sort of learn the relative value of something like, for example, um, ham compared to a skydive. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's that's helped with that. I <laughs> see. I wouldn't know either of those. But anyway, let's go. <laughs> this is quite relevant, actually, to what we've talked about in, in a few ways. I don't know how we managed to keep this up. So it's a home sauna, a one-person yeah. <laughs> infrared so sauna from the brand Ancient Ritual. It's got a 360-degree full-spectrum infrared panel system, a reclining contour flex chair, a flip-down shelf and guest seating module, a 16-bit LED chromotherapy light, and 2.1 surround sound audio for an immersive health experience at the next level. I'm going to go with um, £2,175. Okay. That is an amazingly and scarily specific guess. Wow. Higher or lower, Paul? I'm 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 worrying. <laughs> I'm very um I'm very decisive. Usually erroneously so, as you're going to see. 
Well, it's, it's actually, it's a real, it's impressive, I mean, isn't it? <laughs> we may both be completely wrong, but that is a solid guess. You know, it's so wrong, but not, it's confident. I'll go higher. I think 3,500. Okay. You doubled yeah. it. Wow. Well, Paul, you've won, but it's actually, it's coming in at over eight grand. <laughs> Oh, so you see, I, I'm wondering if the, is that like a fancy? Oh, yeah. one? I bet you could get a cheap normal? one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a wish one that's like inflatable. Mm. It's a proper beautiful Scandi oh. looking cupboard into the Narnia of personal sauna. Do you think my standing desk would look nice in it? Yeah, that's the guest seating as a standing desk. It's a that doubles up as a stool. There you go. £8,045.56. Yes. Wow. Well, I was specific but wrong, as it turned out. But yeah, you. You did guide Paul there, I think. So you're going to get to yeah. Let's give me some yeah, credit. You'll go for second the next yeah. one, and we are looking for the cost of falconry lessons this time. It is a morning of falconry, <laughs> of course, we are. in the rolling Ken hills of, of Tripledown. Why wouldn't we be? Each guest is awarded a certificate um, of completion as well, so you're a legit falconer, and it finishes <laughs> off with a tea and a coffee and a chance to discuss the morning's experience with your other newly qualified falconers. Once you've refreshed yourself, there's a two-course lunch served at the Swan Restaurant and a well-deserved glass of Chapeldown wine. That's amazing. You get a certificate as if that's going to in some way be useful for your future life, yeah. you know. Upload it onto LinkedIn and see, watch the offers flow in. <laughs> <laughs> Chapel Town is a good, it's a, it's a good vineyard as well. Good British vineyard. So wait, was it a one day course you're saying? A like, morning of falconry, yeah. but with a two course lunch. A morning? Okay. And tea and coffee and a certificate. And you get to touch birds. <laughs> I don't know if that's a pro or con. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to go in at hundred okay. pounds. I'm I'm pretty sure it's more than that because my son is a zookeeper, and one of the things he does is the experience <laughs> days at Painton Zoo, so where people get to meet rhinos and giraffes and stuff and giant tortoises. So I I know it's going to be more than that. I'm going to say it is. 180. Oh, it's a a point, Callie. It's £145 per participant at the moment. So uh... I wasn't too far out, although we were both quite close, weren't we? Yeah, between us. Basically, we pretty much exactly exactly got it between. Yeah, and that was me with inside knowledge, which obviously, as it turned out, barely helped me at all. (laughs) Apart from I knew it was more than you said. Yeah. It's a point all. We want to know. Now, regular listeners will be aware that Paul got a bit frustrated with the weirdness of some of the items that we've asked him to price. We've interpreted it that he has requested that each one item be ham related for every round. But it's not there are only so many variations of ham products we can find so the final item today we would like to know the cost of a premier league football shirt for west ham (laughs) (laughs) oh god if we reach that point of (laughs) just scrambling around for the club west ham Paul, haven't you got form in football shirts though yes i do i mean to be honest this is one where it would be like it would be on. This is right on yeah. my territory, so it would be sort of embarrassing. So you I'm should go first on this one because you've got inside knowledge. Yeah, adult home shirt current season. Current season, adult home shirt, and now this is where I'm going to sound like a knob, but there are there are like different types of shirt, aren't there? There's like two grades of shirt. Okay. Usually, they have the like replica shirt that's the cheapest, and then they have the sort of fancy like player issue version, which is 
kind of a, a nonsense thing they've made up to charge you more. So I'm presuming we're going for like the bog yeah, standard generic replica just shirt. Just adult's home shirt. That is what you look for. That's what you're buying. Like to- totally normal yeah. West Ham home shirt for this, this current, current season. season. No name on the back. It's going to be really depressingly expensive. I think it's going to be like 60 quid. Kelly, now all Roughly. to play for. I'm going to say it's going to be 68 quid. Oh, <laughs> and Kelly takes the point. It's sixty-five pounds. Oh. oh, good. We were good. Wow. between us. We're the perfect team for this pool. If we just each guess yeah. and then assume it's in the middle, we're guessing right. I feel like we we could be very good on like a very specific game. Yeah. Games. If we were you like could do a house of games because they've got a team round, and this is kind that's of right. one of the team. Well, rounds. you never do it fully as a team. You do it in twos. I did it with um. The only time I got any points on house of games is when I did. I had a round with Justin Morehouse. who was winning everything. I managed. <laughs> <laughs> to be with him for like seven minutes and suddenly not look quite as moronic so yeah <laughs> so Kelly you are the winner of this amazing we have got a chance for you to plug whatever you've got coming up in the next probably three to the rest of your life weeks okay that's well the rest of my life who knows how long that will last but from now until I become a national treasure don't advertise the standing desk I will <laughs> not um, although I think I've already advertised it but um, so yeah the, the big relevant one probably is my podcast Namaste Motherfuckers which is um, a podcast where comedy meets work meets well-being and we have sort of big names on it recent ones have been like Deborah Meaden uh, Reverend Richard Coles Philippa Perry um, Richard Osman's been on it uh, Sean Walsh has been on it so we have some comedians we also have like world leaders in neuroscience or economics or whatever so it's a very wide ranging podcast uh, so yes do check that out if people um, if people don't already know that and beyond that I'm not I haven't got a tour going on at the moment but I do have lots of live stuff that people can see on my website which is calliebeaton.com and I've got various bits of telly about to come out I'm on Dictionary Corner with a <laughs> Susie Dent on Countdown at the end of May for a week. So there you go. That's what I've got going on. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute delight. I've enjoyed uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed uh, sharing some of the most harrowing <laughs> stuff of experience. I feel like a guest stroke therapist. You're welcome. <laughs> I feel very well cared for and far Good. away from where I've come from. <laughs> Excellent. Then my work here is done. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> and that's False Economy this week. As always, thank you Paul for being my co-pilot in this and thank you listeners for listening if you enjoyed the podcast please rate and review it because that's how other people find us if you didn't enjoy it you now have 30 days to return this podcast for a full refund terms and conditions apply your statutory rights are not affected 